Welcome to the Simple Money, Simple Life podcast. I am Matt Erickson, and I'm your host. This is a podcast where we explore how simplicity beats complexity, especially in money matters. We explore investing, personal finance, and how to live a simple and awesome life. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 61 titled, Why There's No Better Time to Invest. So over the course of time, investing has changed a lot, and it's specifically changed a lot over the last year or two. When I first started investing, I was in a fund family called Putnam Funds. It was through a 401k type plan at my job in college, which was working at a cheese plant. So I invested some money into this as a young 20-something-year-old and didn't know much about it, just thought, well, it's a good time to start for retirement. It's being offered. What the heck? Let's do it. As I dug into the details later when I rolled that money over to my Roth IRA and was looking into it deeper, I realized that the funds I was in were actively managed mutual funds and they had loads that charged me. I think they were B load shares, which means I remember right, they charged me when I left the fund. They also had high expense ratios while I was invested in the fund. Over the course of time, typically a lot of people, even nowadays, and especially 10, 20 years ago, are invested through brokerage houses like Edward Jones and others, Merrill Merrill Lynch and others that put you in high fee products with high with entry points called loads where you have to pay a certain percentage of your assets that you're investing. Typically, it's 5.75%, so you're already starting below. And then they'll put you in actively managed mutual funds, typically with expense ratios between 0.60 and 1.5%, and charge you that ongoing year after year after year. It's a way to really not invest in my opinion a lot of people do it a lot of people are able to reach their goals by doing it that way but i just don't think it's the best way to invest with all the tools that we have nowadays also a lot of people have invested in whole life life insurance policies or universal life policies as they have considered ways to invest and they were talked into this by some insurance salesman that told them it was a good way to invest for the future also in the past it's been there have been fees associated with buying stocks or mutual funds or ETFs there's typically a 7 or 8 dollar charge with every trade if you're doing it in a brokerage account oftentimes there were minimums that you had to invest of either around 3000 or 10000 depending on which mutual fund you chose so there were a lot of barriers to entry for people that kind of held people back from investing Now, the reason why today is the best time to invest in the history of the world, in my opinion, is you can start investing with minimal money. There's really no minimums. At Fidelity, you can buy an index fund or an ETF uh, with a dollar. And you can buy partial shares. You can invest in mutual funds. You can start with very minimal money, the minimums of $3,000 and $10,000 have gone away and with Fidelity, there's no minimums to start investing. I think Vanguard still has a minimum of 3,000 to invest in mutual funds, but you can buy an ETF, which 
There's no fees on trading ETFs and buying ETFs anymore. Those have gone away. These companies like Schwab, Vanguard, and Fidelity have had fee wars, which have just driven the fees down and down and down. And now most people do not even charge trading fees for ETFs. So you can get investing in a Roth IRA or a brokerage account where you really start can start with $10, $20 with anything you want to invest. Opening up an account has never been easier. You just follow the prompts on the website and hook up your checking account so you can transfer money there. And it's very, very easy as long as you have your routing number and your account number associated with your bank, you're able to set those up. You can start doing automatic contributions, which kind of make it easy and disciplined. Also, another reason why this is the best time to invest is because mutual funds, the invention of the index fund by John Bogle back in the 70s, has really caught on as of late. Index fund prices have gone down and down and down over the last five years. Again, as these companies compete for business, Fidelity even introduced several funds that are called zero funds, where the fee is literally zero to invest in an index fund. Most index funds are 0.06 or less. Uh, all the index funds I invest in are less than that. I invest in a Fidelity Zero International Fund. I invest in a small cap fund. So there are index funds. You can get an S&P 500 fund, a total market index fund. You can get all those for close to free or pennies on the dollar as you invest. So the high fees that were associated with mutual funds now don't get me wrong, there's still a huge number of people who don't know any better or choose to buy actively managed mutual funds. There's fund companies who all all they do is actively manage mutual funds, like American funds would be an example of those. Putnam funds would be an example of those. They don't I don't think they have index funds. They're mostly all actively managed funds. So those still have high expenses. So if you're convinced that index investing is the way to go and You'll accept the market returns. There is no better time in the world to invest. You can invest with Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab. M1 Finance is one that, for people who like pretty graphs and a really cool website, they have no minimums as well. There's really cool online platforms where you can pay a little fee. And like Betterment, for example, they charge 25 basis points or 0.25% manage your money, but they're a good option for people. <clears throat> but if you're not investing yet and you're young and you've been thinking about it, right now would be a great time to do it. If you need help getting started, contact someone like me or a friend or someone who knows how to point you in the right direction. I'm not a financial advisor. I can't give financial advice, but I can certainly show you where to find it on the internet, how to uh, click on a few buttons on the Fidelity website and get things rolling. It's super easy. It's easy to learn about index investing and what it is and why it works and how fees erode at your returns. But with index fund investing, those fees are controlled and super low and even free sometimes. So I would like to encourage you all to get out there and invest. It's a wonderful time to do it. I got an email from Boyd, one of our listeners, and I wanted to go over his email on the podcast because I thought you might be interested as listeners to hear what he had to say. So I'm going to read portions of his email and then answer it as I go. So he said, I listened to your podcast 
about quitting your longtime job have you went fire. So what he's talking about there is if I'm financially independent and that's how I was able to quit my job. So as I mentioned on another podcast, I'm quitting my long-term job that I have had for almost 20 years. So at this place, I started as a therapist, then I advanced to clinical director, and then about a year ago, I advanced to executive director. I decided for various reasons that it was time for me to move on. And so I have, and I'm in the process of doing that. I will be officially done with that job at the end of this year, the year 2021. And I'll be starting a new job. The new job I'm going to be doing is I'm going to do private practice mental health therapy for people both online and in person. And I'm also planning on doing a little bit of financial coaching for those who are interested for a possible fee. So to answer Boyd's first question, no, I am not financially independent, but I suppose I could be considered something like Coast Fire, which means that if you didn't invest anymore and you just let your money ride until traditional retirement age, you'd have enough invested to retire. I don't plan on doing that. I plan on continuing to invest in a Roth IRA, at least for myself and my wife, as I am now going to be an entrepreneur and own my own business, which I have never done and which I didn't really expect to do. But it's a good new challenge for me. And my wife is also independent as she does real estate. So this will be a little bit more of an unpredictable. We won't be having necessarily exact consistent income like I've always had in my career with my jobs where the paycheck is pretty much guaranteed and the same. So it will be a bit of a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking. I have settled and accepted that I may make less money doing this, uh, but I'm going to love the new freedom that I have of kind of working my own schedule and doing things on my own terms, which will be great. He also said, asked if a big leap like this was frightening. And yes, it has been a little frightening at times, but... I made the decision over the course of weeks. I didn't do anything impulsive. I thought it through. I talked it over closely with a couple of mentors as well as my wife. And I thought through all the different scenarios. I thought about what I would do if I quit. And I also tried to use a spiritual component in helping me know what I should do and what would be best for me. And so all those things led me to deciding that quitting was the right thing to do. He asks also about how how I'm doing health insurance. So the way I've been doing health insurance is I've been, excuse me, I've been insured through my work using an HSA high deductible plan. I just used up that money in my HSA to help pay for an eye surgery. Now, what I've been doing with my wife and my kids is we've been using a healthcare Christian healthcare ministry to cover our health. It's not insurance with them. It's a sharing ministry. So we do Christian healthcare ministry uh, with them and I've had the insurance. Now, obviously I'm going to go off my insurance at the end of the year. And I, the plan right now is for me to just join them on Christian healthcare ministries. We've had a few interactions with them as my youngest broke his hand a while ago and incurred some medical expenses, and it was super smooth to work with them. 
you just have to have some emergency money in place to be able to pay some emergency bills because it does take them two to four months to reimburse you once you submit the receipts of the purchases for the health costs. So I've been super happy with them, uh, although their prices are going up at the beginning of January. So I figure that I will probably be paying about $600 a month for Christian Healthcare Ministry or so. My health insurance at work was getting crazy expensive. It was up around twelve to fourteen hundred a month for the family. That's why we were we're doing it the way we're doing it right now. So, I'm comfortable using a healthcare ministry like that. Others obviously are not. It makes them nervous and scared. What if they don't help? What if they don't follow their words? So you definitely want to research the different companies out there that are available. But I've been really happy with the one that we chose. Another option that I have is to use healthcare.gov. The they offer different plans that I'm going to look into that could be an option as well. Now with the new year coming up, I believe those you have to be signed up for those by December 15th to get on the healthcare exchange. They have a wide variety of, <clears throat> of plans. I was looking at their website the other day, and based on what I saw, without talking to an expert, I think I'm gonna stick where I'm at with Christian Healthcare Ministries, but we could move to the healthcare exchange. So the next question he says is, have you got any plans for fun and travel or a bucket list of such? And so we do love to travel. Uh, That was one thing that I'm a little worried about because with a higher paying job, we've been able to do some traveling. This year we went to Costa Rica and Alaska. Uh, I'm probably going to be making a lower income now, but I'm sure we will figure out a way to set some money aside for travel. We really love to do that and enjoy doing that with our kids as well. So we're definitely continue to travel. I think I'm not sure where our next destination will be, but we've had our eye on Switzerland for a while, so we may have that be our next place where we go. So he next question Heat Boyd asks is will you rely on investments or your spouse's income for bills? So no, we will not rely on investments to pay our bills. We all of my money most of my money, sadly, is tied up in retirement vehicles and a 401k and, and two Roth IRAs for my wife and I. When I leave my employment, I will be moving my 401k over to a traditional IRA because the funds in my current 401k stink, and I'm looking forward to moving them over to some good solid index funds in Fidelity. So we don't have a sizable amount of money in a brokerage account where we can live on investments. Right now, the earliest I could start drawing under most scenarios from my retirement vehicles would be 59 and a half. So our plan is to not draw from those until that age. And we'll work between now and then, at least enough to cover our bills. So that is the current plan. Uh, He asked about my net worth. I'm not going to share that on the podcast because that is a little bit personal, but it's with the good bull market that we've had is definitely headed in the right direction. So he he said he was asking these questions because he would like to make the leap someday. I'm not sure how old Boyd is, um, but he says that I think I could retire, but with kids' expenses and my wife's desire to travel, I may be working for many years, even though my investment gains average more than my job. So he makes a good point. When your investment gains start to provide you more than your job, then that might be a sign that you're getting close to the destination. 
Sometimes people have a hard time pulling the trigger when they're at that point because of nerves. So someone like Boyd would be wise to sit down with a professional, maybe hire a fee-only financial advisor and pay them an hourly rate and go over his plan to see if he's in a place where he could retire at this point. Because maybe he could, but his anxiety is holding him back from actually doing it and moving on to that next phase of life. It's very comforting knowing you have a paycheck coming in. And it's very comforting because when the market goes down, it's okay. You don't need to use that money. You can rely on your working capital, which is your income coming into your bank account every week. If you're living on investments only and you don't have that working capital anymore, that can cause some anxiety for people. But if you have a good plan, you've looked at market histories, and you know that you can pull 4 to 5% off of your portfolio and live on that much, you're probably going to be in good shape. Another option for Boyd could be that he could maybe pull the trigger to work part-time for a while and enjoy some of these other things that he's considering doing in his life. He also asked about, and I'm curious about your business model for advising. I've helped many over the years with their Roths and 401ks and allocation, mostly for no pay. I just hate seeing good people getting ripped off by high commission cons and horrible investing choices. I consider myself a CFFF, Certified Free Financial Friend. So I've kind of done the same thing as Boyd. I've worked with people on helping them avoid making these expensive mistakes and getting them on the right path in investing and getting started. I can't be their financial advisor, give them financial advice, but I certainly can sit down with them, show them how the investing website works, show them how to hook up their bank account to it, give them an idea of what index funds are and what they can choose and why they might consider choosing them. So I've done that for free. When you start charging people for that, it can get a little sticky because there are a lot of regulations around financial advising. If I take on any clients, boy, just to answer your question, it will be as a financial coach, which you don't, which is not a regulated and licensed profession. So I could be a financial coach and charge my hourly fee for that, and I might just do that if I find that some people are interested. So he asked about paid advising and licensing and whatnot. And so, yes, to do to be a financial advisor, you have to pass some tests, you have to pass some state licensing, and it is a pretty regulated profession. But like I said, to be a financial coach, you don't have to do that. To manage other people's money, you certainly do. Uh, he also asked if I will advertise or rely on referrals. So for my mental health practice, I'm going. I'm not going to advertise. It's going to be word of mouth. And I also have some virtual therapy going on where clients are sent my way. And I'm also just going to depend on friends and the community. I'm pretty sure that with the need right now, that will take off and do pretty well. As far as the financial coaching, I haven't put a lot of energy into considering that from a professional side just because I'm focusing on the mental health side at this time. Uh, He also said he's considered a local investment club where only ideas are exchanged, no money. And I liked Boyd's idea about that. I think Boyd and I live in the same area, actually, so we may team up and start doing that here locally. I think that's kind of a cool idea where people can just get together and bounce ideas off of one another and maybe have some debates about it. I think it's a really cool idea. But Boyd, thank you for your email. Thanks for taking the time to listen to all the podcasts and really thinking through these things. I think some of your questions and ideas 
hopefully will resonate with some of the listeners as well. One thing I'm learning through this experience of quitting my consistent, predictable, safe job is that sometimes in life, there's risks to be taken. And I certainly don't think it's a good idea to just quit a job without thinking through some options and some plans. However, I think it's been easy for me to not consider doing this just because I prefer safety and security. This has been a good experience for me to get ready to do this because I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm forced to get out of my comfort zone, I'm forced to build a business, I'm forced to open an LLC, I'm forced to figure out some new software for my charting system, just all these steps that I have to take to open up a private practice therapy clinic, and it's been really good for me. So I've learned. So if there's any of you out there that feel like you're in a job where you're not growing, you're not progressing, you don't like it, uh, for me it was hard because I was making good money, and it's hard to turn away from a job where you're making good money. But at the same time, life is short. We only get one chance at this. And I think it's awesome to consider change and consider something different. I'm excited for the flexibility that where my wife and I will both have complete flexibility with our schedule, more or less, which will be an awesome opportunity for us to do more things together uh, at random times during the day, perhaps when otherwise we couldn't. So it's going to be different. There's certainly, I would say, some negatives about it too, like the consistency of a paycheck the predictability. I've always been paid when I take time off. That is coming to a screeching halt. So that's certainly an advantage of having a W-2 job. And so those, all those angles are important thinking through. I obviously don't have health insurance or dental insurance anymore. I'm going to have to cover that on my own. Uh, taxes will go up a little bit because employers help pay for social security tax and FICA tax and whatnot. So there's some downsides, but I think there's a lot of potential upsides too. I hope all you guys are doing great. I'm mindful that uh, life can be hard. A lot of challenges out there in life. I hope you're finding peace and happiness in your life, in your financial life, but also in your personal life and your family life. Um, I want to encourage you all to make sure you keep your priorities where they need to be. For me, priority is about family. It's about happiness. It's about doing good things for others. And I hope you know where your values lie and where your priorities are and that you're living in a way that balances and is influenced by those values and your priorities. Life is good. It's, it's hard at times, but it's also a great opportunity for us to grow as people and, and love other people and serve other people. Anyway, I hope you guys all have a great weekend. And remember, the simple life is a good life.